Iowa's News Now Sports has your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks, sponsored by University of Iowa Healthcare. This is the last time we'll ever play in Kinnick, so super exciting. It's going to be emotional. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great experience. Senior day at Kinnick Stadium. With COVID, we've had a longer chance to enjoy the careers of many of these year's seniors. Last chance to see these guys on their home field. Welcome to Eye on the Hawks. Joining us in the studio this week is Sean Bach from 24-7 Sports, a guy who's inside the Hawkeye beat and follows the prep sports scene. Sean, appreciate having you with us today. So we're going to be talking a little bit of high school football before the show ends. But, Sean, first give us an assessment of Saturday's win against Rutgers. Probably the best this team has looked all year. Is this a turning point in the season, or was that fourth quarter we saw out of Iowa somewhat out of fluke? Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think so. It was definitely a step in the right direction for this Iowa team. We've seen this offense really struggling to see the passing game wake up, to see the defense really play. Just a three-phase game was really was really a positive for this team. Overall, with Deacon Hill especially, I mean, it seemed like things started just clicking with him a little bit more on Saturday. Uh, what did you see out of him that made you think that maybe this guy's starting to turn the corner a little bit? Yeah, I mean, getting the ball to Caleb Brown was definitely mm -hmm. a step in the right direction. Yep. and. You know, losing those two tight ends, Luke Lachey, Eric, all earlier in the year, there's a lot of question marks to see, you know, how he could kind of get comfortable with some of these other guys. And Addison Estranga, mm -hmm. the uh, former three-star tight end out of Wisconsin, guy who did not have any other offers coming out of high school. Hmm. Iowa was the only offer for him. He was targeted eight times and had eight catches. Wow. And so that efficiency was there. The comfort was there. And, you know, things just really started to seem to click. And, you know, Iowa's got a really bright future in that tight end room, too, and you know that was a big positive, I thought, as well. Starting to click at the right time. Well, the task at hand is simple. A win for Iowa puts them in the Big Ten Championship game for the second time in three years. Lose, and there is a lot more pressure to win on the road on Black Friday. But Iowa has already built a good cushion heading into the last couple weeks of the regular season. And as is always the case, the focus remains strictly on the game in front of them. It has not been talked about one bit. I, uh, it is another game. And it's another opponent who's really trying to beat us. And we know that they're, they're uh, uh, Coach Bielema has played here. There's, they have a lot. Um, they're fighting for a bowl game as well, I believe. So there's, they, they have a lot to gain from this win, too. So we just know that this is a huge opportunity for us to continue to grow, continue to develop over the course of this November. You know, we still have two games of the regular season. So um, that's what we're focused on right now. Right now, just focus on Illinois. Um, taking up day after the next, you know, get out there to practice, work hard, get the game plan down. And then, you know, we're like running the race to Saturday. As uh, Coach Bud likes to say, run the race to Saturday, see who gets there. Clinching a share of the Big Ten West wasn't really one of the, one of the thing guys were pretty excited about. Um, but that, that just goes to our expectations for the year and guys being completely bought in and having 100% faith that we can accomplish our, our goals. Sean, this Iowa team was projected to win the Big Ten West at the start of the season, but does it surprise you that they have a chance to wrap things up so soon, potentially with a game still left on the schedule? I mean, just seeing how the Big Ten West has gone this year in the last couple of years, it really doesn't surprise me. Mm -hmm. um, we always thought that this Iowa team had a really good chance of winning the Big Ten West going into the year. Granted, I don't think anyone really took into account the injuries that mm -hmm. this Iowa team has suffered. And, you know, a lot of people expected the defense to take a little bit of a step back, too, and I mean, it's kind of hard to argue that it hasn't. Like, yeah. it's been very, very talented defensive team. And the offense, just to see how the complementary has worked, I mean, you'd like to see the offense take a little bit more of a step in the right direction, like to see the run game going, mm -hmm. like to see, you know, the wide receivers maybe get involved a little bit more. And, I mean, we saw that against Rutgers on Saturday. Yeah. But, you know, to see that consistency, I think that's, 
where this team really needs to take a step forward. And, you know, considering all the injuries and, you know, Deacon Hill, a guy who does not have any starting experience coming into this year, to see him really thrive and, you know, at least last week to see him thrive and, you know, kind of see the pick things up a little bit has been, you know, real positive for this team. What's even more amazing is that were it not for this little motion, they'd already have the Big Ten West yeah. wrapped up. They'd already right. have that trip to Indianapolis locked up for the Big Ten West. Well, 19 seniors on this year's Iowa roster, some of whom we may see again thanks to that extra season of COVID eligibility. Noah Shannon won't have the luxury of playing this weekend, but he will be honored as one of the team's seniors. And many of these young men are playing their final home game in a Hawkeye uniform. Guys who know emotions will be running high this Saturday. Every part that we celebrate, just um, the winning together in Kinnick, the swarming together in Kinnick, the waving together in Kinnick, all that stuff's going to be, um, you're just kind of going to have to think about that and you're going to be like, wow, it's, uh, uh, this is the last time doing it from our position at least. Yeah, I'm trying not to think about it. So just going to pretend like it's not going to think about it until it, it actually happens. And I don't know, I'm sure when I see my parents like in the middle of the field, that'll be pretty emotional, but. I did it last year, but when I did it last year, I kind of had a feeling I'd be back for my sixth year. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, I'm going to save, you know, me getting emotional for after the game because, you know, last year um, we had senior day against Nebraska and weren't able to get the win. So it was a different feeling in the locker room. So we're going to save that for, you know, after. Sean, there's a lot of seniors who will be leaving the program after this year, some of whom aren't seniors, but they'll be going to the NFL draft, we have to assume. As an Iowa alum yourself, which of these seniors has left his mark on your memory the most as a guy who's probably a fan of the black and gold? Yeah, I mean, you're making me go back a little bit because <laughs> a lot of these guys have been in uh, throughout college when I was in college. Mm -hmm. So Joe Evans definitely comes to mind. Not only that I had to do a couple of uh, group projects with him, but we uh, he was a guy that, you know, kind of a – one of my first memories of being on an Iowa beat because I went to a game, I think it was uh, Ames High, Iowa City High wow. for the, uh, the Battle of the Boot uh -huh. back in 2017 it was. And Joe Evans was playing quarterback at that point. Yeah. Remember, he was a high school quarterback, <laughs> high school linebacker. Um, and I kind of thought to myself, ah, you know, like the walk-on store. I mean, being from Illinois, you're not too familiar with Iowa football in terms of the walk-on success. But when, you know, he kind of started to make his mark at Iowa, kind of looked back and I was like, man, maybe I should have, uh, maybe I should have paid a little <laughs> bit more of attention during that game. But yeah, I mean, Joe Evans definitely, definitely comes to mind. Um, Tory Taylor, obviously, to see what he's done as a, as a punter at Iowa and just, you know, how he's kind of become a fan favorite. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought that a punter would get just the most cheers out of yeah. anyone in a, uh, in a, uh, in the pregame intro. So uh, I'm curious to get your input right now on this outside of the seniors who all of which, you know, could leave after this season. Is there anybody who's not a senior, a junior, underclassman, who you think will be gone after this year, uh, primarily to the NFL draft? I mean, yeah. there's probably one in particular that we're thinking <laughs> of. Is, but, yeah, uh, anybody is. besides Cooper DeGene that you're thinking of? Um, you know, at the top of my head, not really. Really? Yeah, it doesn't really seem that way. I mean, Deontay Craig has had a pretty good year, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't really say that he's a guy that's going to go. Um, I believe Jay Higgins is another year of eligibility, and, I mean, he's had quite the year as well. Yeah. So. No one really comes to mind the offensive end. I mean, you look at Eric All and Luke Lachey, obviously those guys are going through the senior the senior day ceremony. Right. But they have the option to come back and, you know, if they didn't get injured, then 
you know, maybe they don't come back. But now that they were injured, K. McMahon is coming back. Yeah. You know, maybe there's a good chance that they do kind of, could, end up coming back. Could lead to even better offense next year. Well, uh, speaking of Tory Taylor, one player who confirmed this week that he, we will not uh, see him use his extra year of eligibility. That's Tory, a fan favorite who routinely gets the loudest cheers when they announce the starting lineups. A man who will likely break Iowa's record for punts in a career within the next two weeks and who has left an unforgettable mark on the Iowa special teams unit. It might be something that I kind of look back in um, 10, 15 years' time or maybe when I'm done here in a, in a few months' time, but I don't really play football for records or, or accolades or anything like that. I'm just trying to go out there and, and have fun. The one thing about him this year that, that really I'll, I'll never forget, I think, is just the way he's practiced. Like he is, He's a real craftsman now. So he went from a guy who kicked the ball, that's what he did forever, uh, grew up doing that, you know, putting the ball and all that stuff. But now he is like just... Uh, he, he has such clear focus and intent every time he's out there at practice. I'm really just grateful to be here and I'm grateful for the friendships and relationships that I've built um, with players and coaches. And I just hope they know that I never wanted to let them down. And um, yeah, I really appreciate them. Sean, there have really been some great punters to come through Iowa special teams room, starting with, of course, Reggie Roby. But Nick Gallery, Jason Baker also strung together some impressive careers. What makes Tory stand out, even even among some of those great punters that have come through Iowa? I mean, I think you got to start with the Australian accent here. That's a that's <laughs> a big plus. But I think when you look at Iowa's offense throughout the last couple of seasons, I mean, it hasn't been there as you know much as fans would want it. But I think you have to consider, you know, just where I would would be without Tory Taylor and this mm-hmm. defense. And you know, how many times have we seen in Kinnick Stadium, even games on the road, where Tory Taylor has had a punt where he's put the other team deep in their own territory mm-hmm. and has potentially set up this Iowa defense for a safety. Yeah. And, you know, kind of just seems like the momentum of this team, or at least, you know, just kind of the, the vibe seems to go in a positive direction when he gets a big point. It really seems to electrify this team mm-hmm. and, you know, really seems to electrify the defense too, because then you got the crowd standing, you got the, uh, can't think of the song right now, but you got the, you got the rock music playing mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, it just gets wild in Kinnick stadium when, uh, when he gets a big punt out. Maybe no fan base that knows more about special teams that than too. Iowa yeah. Hawkeye fans. Yeah. Well, the good news about the quarterback room, everybody that wants to return next year can come back to the Iowa roster. Cade McNamara has already announced that he'll be returning, but could there be a QB controversy brewing? Deacon Hill is coming off the best game of his college career and could be starting to find his rhythm in Iowa's offense. Yeah, I think everything's a little more smooth um, for me. Um, yeah, I thought it was a good weekend. You know, looked at the tape Sunday, looked at it yesterday. Uh, corrected what needed to be corrected. I'm just looking to move forward this week. If you're going to play this game, uh, you know, you better be able to take a punch. And he's taking a few of them. Uh, if you play quarterback, you better be able to you know, get back up uh, on your feet after you get knocked down. And he's done that. No one expected him to be, you know, literally at Cade McNamara's level when he first came in there, you know, but he's a great player and he's a great worker. So over time, he's getting a lot better and you guys are starting to see it. So um, we just got to keep that going with him. Deacon Hill's been put through so much after transferring to Iowa, got thrown in before anybody would have expected to see him be ready. But based on what you saw out of him on Saturday, do you think that he's starting to get this figured out? Do you think he's starting to get comfortable, more comfortable in this Hawkeye offense with some of the pieces that he has around him? I mean, I think so, but I think I'm going to buy more stock in it <laughs> after this weekend. Yeah. Because Illinois, I mean, if you remember last year, Illinois had a very good defense. This year, I mean, the defensive line is great. They have Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph. Two guys on the defensive line that you know could potentially be NFL draft picks mm. after this year. Um, so to see those guys, I mean, and the secondary for Illinois is not as strong. I mean, they lost a couple guys to the NFL draft, and 
No, I think they're, and we saw what Indi- how many points Indiana put up against this Illinois team last week. And, mm-hmm. you know, if Deacon can build on the performance from the perform- against Rutgers and, you know, do that same deal against Illinois, maybe even better, then I think you could little, buy a little more stock in him going to Nebraska and, you know, then the Big Ten championship in a bowl game. Iowa's defense continues a string of success that is nearly unmatched by any team in the country. The Hawkeyes have only given up one touchdown over the last four games. And through 10 weeks, the Hawks have only surrendered one rushing touchdown. No other team in the country can make that claim. This Hawkeye front seven gives Big Ten offenses nightmares every single week. We're the best defense when we're not playing, obviously. So getting off the field on third downs and helping offense with field positions are our biggest goal. And if guys don't make it to the red zone, that, that that's good for us. And that, that helps that no run touchdown stat. It's pretty darn cool saying that we've only let up one rushing touchdown, but uh, we still got a lot of football left. And the goal is to continue to improve. We, we There's certainly areas that we have fallen short. We do have our goals that we look at after um, after games and stuff like that. So um, obviously we're, we're keen into that and keen into looking at, you know, if we met those goals. But we really haven't talked to, about, you know, only allowing one rushing touchdown. Sean Bach back with us on Eye on the Hawks. Now, Sean, this defense continues to delight and entertain the Hawkeye masses. Are they on the verge of equaling the quality of last year's defense, or are they even close to being on that level yet? Yeah, I mean, I said it earlier in the show, I think a lot of the expectation was there's no chance that this defense <laughs> is going to be at the same level as last year, considering that Jack Campbell, Seth Benson, probably the arguably the most consistent linebacker corps in the Kirk Ferentz era. Hmm. And you talk about Kayvon Merriweather, Riley Moss as well, two guys that were, you know, are in the NFL now. And obviously a Cooper DeGene coming back, but there were still a lot of question marks with this defense and the guys coming back. But, you know, the linebackers, Nick Jackson, Jay Higgins, those guys have just steadily improved, just steadily improved week by week. And, you know, have really, you know, been a big reason why this defense has been so talented. Uh, I don't know if you're old enough to maybe qualify an opinion <laughs> on this matter, but um, the Seth Benson and Jack Campbell conversation versus Abdul Hodge and uh, and uh, Chad Greenway. Yeah. You think they could stack up against them? I mean, it, I are mean they, is it one and one A, or who do you think would uh, win out in that battle? I think I think you got to put Greenway and Hodge maybe over yeah. it. Just you know, I don't want to I don't want to <laughs> make anyone mad. Don't rock the boat yeah. among Hawkeye fans. We'll say we'll say one A, one B. We'll yeah. say we'll put Hodge and Greenway up top, and then Campbell Benson. One of my favorite all time stats for the Hawkeyes is that that two thousand I think it was a two thousand five season that those two guys are still number two and three and single-season tackles, both that they broke in that single season. That was an incredible year. Mm-hmm. Well, Joe Evans went through the Senior Day motions a year ago, but the Hawkeye captain made the decision to return for one more season in Iowa City. Mitch Fick talks with D-line coach Jay Neiman about the difference Joe has brought to this year's D-line. You got to Iowa City uh, just as Joe Evans was going into his redshirt freshman year. What have you seen from him to take him from a a walk-on linebacker who had never played on the line to a, a team captain, an all-Big Ten performer, and a guy who I have to imagine is going to be in an NFL camp uh, at some point in his, in his future. Well, that's what we're hoping for, and I know that's what he's hoping for. Uh, it's just been an amazing transformation. Uh, he's To his credit, it's been a lot of it due just to his hard work. He came in here um, you know, just before I arrived, like you said, and just has worked his tail off. And really is a product of the system in terms of just learning, growing, maturing. A lot of that has to do with the things that he accomplished down in the weight room. Um, you know, just in terms of his 
growth as far as explosiveness, strength, power, speed. Uh, he's changed his body a lot over the course of that time. Has endured some some injuries, just you know, not major things, but little you know nicks along the way, and and uh, things that D linemen are accustomed to playing with. He's battled through that a lot of that again due to his his toughness and uh, just the the training that he's put in over the course of his time here. It's been phenomenal. It's been fun to watch. He's a great guy. Well, Sean, we spoke a little bit about Joe Evans already and your relationship with him going back several years, but how much of a difference maker is he for Iowa in terms of leadership skills? Could he be compared to Jack Campbell, or is that blasphemous right now? I mean, I think people give Jack Campbell, I mean, Jack Campbell is the epitome of a leader, uh -huh. um, and obviously his production speaks for itself and you know how he was able to arise to a first-round draft pick, but I think Evans, I mean, you have to put him in that conversation, conversation when you talk about being a leader because he kind of epitomizes that too with, you know, just how he acts, you know, how he kind of is. I mean, being a six-year guy, obviously that's easy to say, you know, he's a leader. But, I mean, he talks the talk, walks the walk. He does it all, and, you know, he really has been kind of a catalyst for this defense. And that's why Calvin Bell said preseason, Iowa defensive line coach said preseason, that getting Joe Evans back was probably mm. the most important thing alongside with Noah Shannon. Sure. Obviously the Noah Shannon <laughs> stuff hasn't really materialized, but Noah's been an important part of this team, you know, off the field. And, Joe, just to see what he's done on the field, off the field, I mean, go back a couple weeks ago, we talked about that players-only meeting that mm -hmm. was led. He was one of the guys on there, and there's a reason why, you know, Kirk Ferentz has had him as captain nearly every week. We've seen the production that Jack Campbell has had with the Lions in the, in the NFL. Is Joe an NFL-caliber guy? Do you think that he has a chance to get drafted, a free agent signing? What do you think? That's tough because he is so twitchy and so he's so good with his hands and, you know, can move well, but he's kind of a tweener, mm -hmm. and that's kind of where things are a little tough. He can't really play defensive tackle. He's more of an edge guy, a true edge guy based on his size because you don't want to get him too big um, or else he won't be able to move as much. But... I mean, maybe he can fight on as a uh, potential, you know, un undrafted free agent somewhere because, I mean, he's got the motor, he's got the work ethic, mm -hmm. he's got all that, he's got the speed, I think. But, you know, just from a size pers perspective, it might be a little tough. Sure. Four years playing under Hayden Fry, two seasons as a grad assistant, and five as a linebackers coach. Brett Bielema has black and gold pumping through his veins, but on Saturday, he leads an Illini team into Kinnick Stadium with hopes of spoiling senior day for the Hawkeyes. We know that they're going to be well coached over there, you know, because he's been a part of this program and, and he kind of knows, you know, this program a little bit. And so, you know, it's going to be up to us to be ready to go so that um, we can try to match the intensity and hopefully come out with a win. He has a history with Iowa, so that would make it a lot sweeter for him to be able to win this game. But um, the biggest thing is just being able to compete in a way that is going to um, yeah, help us grow as a unit, help us grow as a team. He was at Arkansas, and I actually camped there in high school. So I was able to meet him there. And um, I know he's from Iowa, and I know he has. I'm pretty sure he has a Tiger Hawk tattoo. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. He's always been serious about this. He's been inquisitive. He works uh, works really hard, just like he did as a player. And, you know, those things have carried over in his coaching career, certainly. So, you know, just uh, happy for his success. And hope he doesn't have any this weekend. But uh, after that, he, you know, have at it. All for it. Sean Bach back with us on Eye on the Box. I mean, Eye on the Hawks, I should say. Uh, it can't be just another game for Kirk on Saturday, I have to imagine. He's got to want this one a little bit more even than a lot of those other Big Ten games, I have to imagine. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of respect for Brett Belima, um, considering his Iowa ties and his relationship with Kirk Ferentz and Hayden Fry. But, 
I mean, it kind of it's kind of become a rivalry, honestly. Hmm. I mean, going back last <laughs> year against uh, Illinois, the game in Champaign, I think it was the first time Illinois won in about nine years or eight years, something along those lines. Um, there's been a couple of recruiting battles too. I mean, Illinois is a big area for Iowa when it comes to recruiting and you know, Illinois kind of with the new staff with Brett Belima leading the way, mm-hmm. you know, those two have really butt heads a lot because the previous staff at Illinois did not do a great job of mm. recruiting that state. And, you know, Belima's come in and made, has made it a big priority. Iowa's been able to steal some out of that state, but yeah. Illinois has been able to keep more home too. Something that Brett Belima, Michael Merrick, and Sean Bach all have in common. Uh, <laughs> Illinois natives that came and went to school at the University of Iowa. Uh, Michael was in here a few weeks ago, and he told us that when he grew up, Illinois-Iowa was seen as a rivalry from the Illinois side of things, uh, but then he yeah. came to Iowa and saw things a little differently. What, what's your opinion? Do you think this is a rivalry uh, or no? I mean, now it is. <laughs> now it's definitely a rivalry. Yeah. Um, I mean, considering all those years that Iowa was really able to beat down on Illinois, you, I, mean, I don't know if you can really consider that to be a rivalry at that point, but to see the success that Illinois had, granted, obviously, didn't start the year like they wanted to this year, but just to see that Belima, I think Belima is going to be a great coach at Illinois. I mean, he's already he had a great season last year. He's got to be able to recruit more guys and get guys from the portal that can stick. Um, but I think he's going to be around at Illinois hmm. for a while. And, you know, I think he's going to be a really good fit down there in Champaign. And, you know, Kirk Ferentz, as long as he stays for the next couple of years, yeah. those two are going to go head to head. And, you know, if Belima stays, I mean, who knows? Maybe he'll be the head coach in Iowa City. I wouldn't put money on it right now, but... <laughs> You know, who knows? It, it's going to be a good rivalry for the next few years, though, I think. Got to think that he'd at least be an interview candidate when that time yeah. comes. Well, Illinois was expected to have one of the best defenses in the Big Ten this year. That has certainly not been the case, giving up an average of 29 points a game. But as Curtis Fader explains, could be the Illinois offense that gives the Hawkeyes problems on Saturday. Iowa's in the driver's seat of the Big Ten West with a 5-2 conference record. And right now, there's a five-way tie for second place in the division with a 3-4 and four record in conference. One of those teams in the Mastiff Cluster chasing the Hawkeyes, the Illinois fighting the Illini, trying to use their aerial attack to pull off the upset and catch up to them. The team is explosive when they want to be, and it's been a while since Iowa's faced a team that likes to air it out. Illinois starting QB Luke Altmeyer was out last week, but didn't seem to stop the Illini much when backup John Paddock threw for over 500 yards and four touchdowns. Also some key receivers for Cooper DeGene and the Hawkeyes secondary to shut down this week. Isaiah Williams and Pat Bryant both combined for 1,408 yards and 11 touchdowns this season, including last week when the two accounted for 331 receiving yards and three touchdowns in an Illinois shootout win over Indiana. Iowa's defense will be put to the test yet again, but the offense has a lot of opportunity to expose the Illini's vulnerable defense. The team's given up on average over 29 points per game this season. The lowest Illinois has conceded was 17 points when it practically was an off night for Hawkeye defense standards. If Iowa puts together a performance like what we saw in the second half against Rutgers last week, could be an easy day at the office of Kinnick this Saturday. The Hawkeyes only need to win one of their last two games of the season to reach the Big Ten championship game, but there's a little urgency to get the job done in Iowa City this weekend instead of leaving it up to the final game of the regular season in a rivalry match on the road. Sean, it sounds like you've done your homework on Illinois, uh, and we may have some question marks around who plays at quarterback on Saturday. You said that uh, Luke Altmeyer, we might see him starting there at quarterback. Yeah, I saw a tweet earlier today that Brett Belima said on SiriusXM that the plan was to play Luke Altmeyer, quarterback, despite hmm. John Paddock's, or Paydeck, however you say his name, <laughs> performance the last couple weeks and especially last week against Indiana. So I thought that was an interesting move. That's going to be interesting to see how Iowa kind of goes about it. I mean, 
Alim is the type of guy who is pretty straight up, but I mean, who knows? Maybe it's a smoke screen. Maybe it's something to force Iowa to prepare for potentially two different quarterbacks. I mean, both Altmaier and Paddock are pretty dynamic. They're pretty dynamic guys. The big mm-hmm. thing with Altmaier, the big question mark was his arm because yeah. he could obviously use his legs a bit. But with Paddock, I mean, 507 passing yards granted against Indiana, arguably the worst team in the Big Ten. <laughs> um, still, that's an impressive, an impressive mark. And Isaiah Williams, I mean, the wide receiver for Illinois, you guys heard it earlier, uh, former high school quarterback. Mm. So he uh, he's really turned it up this year. And, you know, just to see his development at wide receiver, I mean, it's been working for sure. Something that Iowa has a lot of on that roster is former high school quarterbacks as well. That too, yes. Sean Box still with us and I in the Hawks. Sean, you're bringing us great Hawkeye knowledge, but you're, the prep scene is really where your bread is butters. It's championship week at the Unidome. Still a couple of future Hawkeyes on the field in Cedar Falls. Who should fans be watching for if they're tuning into those championship games this week? Yeah, I mean, Eastern Iowa fans are obviously well aware of Derek Wieskopf out of Williamsburg, uh, the future Iowa linebacker. We have him as a four-star on 24-7 sports. Really great prospect long-term especially with those guys from uh, Winfield, Mount Union, and uh, Monticello, Preston Reese, and Kane Buffington. Those three guys are going to be really good linebackers for Iowa down the line. And, you know, Wieskopf, obviously an All-American this year. But, yeah, I mean, I, I remember seeing that game uh, against Solon earlier in the year when they lost in, uh, at Solon. And, you know, I thought to myself, there's no way Williamsburg is losing <laughs> another game. So yeah. we'll see what happens on, uh, on Friday. But then... For fans that may not be as familiar with those out in Western Iowa, Owen, I know you're obviously mm-hmm. aware of, of of that area, but Central Lion George Little Rock, uh, former or future Iowa wide receiver Reese Vanderzee, plays quarterback for the Lions, and then you have a walk-on in Grant, Graham Eben, who plays running back and safety for the Lions, and Eben's going to play safety, maybe a hybrid linebacker type at Iowa. Vanderzee is all wide receiver, and he's a guy that Iowa beat out Iowa State for in what was a really important recruitment for Iowa, considering you look at Iowa State's success at the wide receiver position over the last couple years Mm -hmm. compared to Iowa's, and Iowa State wanted Vanderzee bad, Hmm. and Iowa was able to get him. Big win for Iowa there. Vanderzee is a guy that Iowa really likes and, you know, think could be a real big threat down the line. It's interesting we talk about uh, quarterbacks in high school transitioning to college. That's mm-hmm. what Weisskopf has had to, had to do. Yeah, He's had right. to step in at quarterback this year and done pretty well for Williamsburg. Of all the in-state recruits that you've seen on the field this year, who does have you the most excited for when they transition to the college level? Oh, man, that's tough. I love Cam Buffington yeah. out of Winfield Mountain Union. I think Cam is going to be a, a star. I mean, it's kind of a tough transition going from eight-man to to 11 man and it's going to be a bit of a transition at Iowa linebacker room but he ran a 4-5-40 this summer at I think he's around 6'3 225 mm. or 23 pounds and just to see his production this season and to see it last year and kind of just see how hard he hits and how explosive he is as a running back I mean that's that's qualities yeah. that you can't really teach and to see that overall athleticism at that point in his career and you know, to see it translate when he gets into Seth Wallace's room is going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, and we hope that he gets healthy next year. I mean, That's it was right. just a shame to see him go down in the semifinals. If he stays healthy, 
there's no way anybody's even keeping it within 20 of Glenn Female Union. That team was so good for yeah. so much of this year. Well, let's get into our Week 12 game picks. Only two regular season weeks left for the Hawkeyes. We're going to start in the Big 12. An interesting game in Ames right here on Fox 28 at 7 on Saturday. The Cyclones have won four of their last five games. They're in a four-way tie for second place in the conference, still with an outside chance at making the Big 12 title game. Texas just lost their star running back, Jonathan Brooks, to a season-ending knee injury. Sean, do you think that the Cyclones can upset Texas on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I think Iowa State, I mean, you see, you know, those comments earlier in the week from some of their players, uh, you know, they're, they're coming into this one ready. Uh, you know, there's a lot in the lines. I think it's the last time that, I know it's the last time that uh, Texas go, is going to be coming to Ames as a, uh, as a Big 12 mm -hmm. opponent. And, you know, I think Iowa State's kind of using that one as, as motivation a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, I think... Iowa State can cover the spread, but I think I would take Texas money line here. you got to think that Iowa State is going to be motivated. They're bowl yep. eligible already and would love to get back to the Big 12 title game. Got a Big Ten West clash between Nebraska and Wisconsin at Camp Randall. Two teams with the exact same overall and conference record. Tricky game to pick with Wisconsin favored by five. Sean, who do you think is uh, going to take this one? Yeah, I mean, neither team, I mean, has really been able to find a lot of consistency this year. I mean, you look at Wisconsin last week against Northwestern, that their players said straight up that they hit rock bottom after that game. Like, mm -hmm. this is rock bottom. So I guess the only way is up for Wisconsin. But, you know, I might take the Badgers in this one, but it's kind of hard to, to trust them, especially after those last couple weeks. So... You know, maybe maybe I'll take Nebraska. Hmm, okay. I kind of like Wisconsin in this one. I think they're motivated right now in a Nebraska loss. That could mean trouble for Iowa when they head over there to Lincoln the next week. That could be a real interesting game. Now to senior day. Torrey Taylor, Jay Higgins, possibly Cooper DeGene's last game at Kinnick if he opts to go to the NFL. We've mentioned it. If Iowa beats Illinois, they can clinch a spot in the Big Ten title game two weeks from Saturday. Can the Hawks pull this one off? Yeah, I, I do think Iowa pulls it off. I think a couple weeks ago, you look at this game and you're like, maybe not. Um, maybe it's kind of a you know game where it, maybe Illinois can come in and you know finish what they started a couple years ago. Remember, they were up at Illinois a couple years ago until Char or at Iowa a couple years ago until Charlie Jones had that kickoff return mm -hmm. for a touchdown, um, and then that's where all the momentum swung in Iowa's favor. So I'm going to take Iowa in the points here. I think. That performance against Rutgers, I think Deacon Hills can be able to build off that. I think there's a lot of holes in Iowa or in Illinois' defense where Iowa can take advantage, which yeah. is, you know, kind of amazing to say considering, you know, what the offense has looked like for Iowa this year. So, you know, I'm gonna take the Hawkeyes and you know they're I think they're gonna cover. Yeah, with with the amount of emotion that's gonna be flowing through that stadium on Saturday, I have to like Iowa this weekend. Every week we're going to be doing a live stream on YouTube reacting to the Iowa game. This week we're on Sunday at noon. Join the stream or send along your questions. You can follow along at Iowa's News Now on YouTube. We'll send out the link from our Eye on the Hawks Twitter account. We want to thank Sean Bach again for joining us on Eye on the Hawks this week. Uh, Sean, appreciate you being yeah, here in the studio this week and enjoy the game this weekend. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the game on Saturday.